0: chicago's finest internet radio show making a world a better place one show at a
1: time the george Warner jr show is now on the air take it away dad okay thank you all right welcome to the george Warner jr show welcome to the george wilder jr show it's a good day it is a good day folks i'm pretty sure everybody who's anybody has heard about this election uh the one in alabama doug jones oh thank jesus i mean <laughs> for this win we did not ro- want roy Moore for this and thank god thank somebody Because this man will not be going to the United States Senate. And that is a good thing for uh, Alabama. And it's a good thing for America. It's a good thing for America.
2: We have a major projection right now and cnn projects doug jones the democrat he will be the next united states senator from alabama he beats roy moore in this really really exciting contest doug jones comes from behind takes the lead and now cnn projects he will be the next senator first time in 25 years that a democrat will be uh, elected senator from the state of alabama a ruby red state a very republican state but doug jones Doug Jones is the winner. CNN projects that he is the winner in this race. This is a huge moment, a huge win for the Democrats, a huge setback for the president of the United States. Uh, They're getting excited over there at Doug Jones headquarters. Let's go over to Doug Jones headquarters. Uh, Alex Marquardt, you're there. They just got the news. We made the projection. Doug Jones has been elected the United States senator from Alabama.
3: Wolf, it is absolutely deafening in here. This news just coming across the screen there from the horse's mouth. I can barely hear myself. Absolute jubilation. This is coming in a lot sooner than people thought. i had been told by senior campaign sources that they're expecting this to go on all night. They thought it was gonna be extremely close and that it would come down to a coin flip. And now here in this ballroom at the Birmingham Sheraton, you've got people pouring in to see the fact that for the first time in 25 years, a Democrat will be representing uh, Alabama in the Senate. This was always going to be a competitive race, but it was Roy Moore's race to lose. Those allegations against him made this a very competitive race. The last few days, Doug Jones has been, uh, has, has, has mounted a massive get out the vote campaign to peel off Republicans and African American voters clearly that paying off just listen to this crowd as they erupt in celebration
2: alex stand by we're going to get back to you lots of excitement over there at doug jones campaign headquarters in alabama he has been elected cnn projects he's the winner Uh, jake this is a huge win for the democrats a come from behind win for the democrats a huge setback Uh, for Roy Moore, but also a huge setback for President Trump.
4: First of all, in terms of big picture, I mean, this definitely does show that there are standards and there are limits to what voters will accept, even in uh, this era of tribes. Even in this era where Democrats and Republicans stick to their teams, root for their teams, there is still a, a point past which some people will not go. Uh, And that point in this race obviously has to do with the accusations, the allegations, ugly allegations of of child sexual abuse uh, against Doug Jones. I'm sorry, against Roy Moore, uh, the judge. Uh, Second of all, obviously, the balance of power in the Senate is now 51 uh, to 49. And uh, that makes it even tougher for legislation. As we've seen, a lot of these big major pieces of legislation that will affect people's lives have been defeated or have won only by one or two votes. Uh, And then third of all, I I have to say, this is a huge defeat for President Trump. This is deep red Alabama. President Trump made the calculation that he was going to double down, he was going to stick with uh, this candidate, uh, the candidate who followed the Trump playbook for when there are allegations against you, uh, just deny them all uh, and uh, attack the people accusing you. uh, And it failed. And it failed not only uh, in an embarrassing way, uh, it failed in one of the most Republican states that there is a state so Republican, the last time they elected a Democrat to the Senate, two years later, he changed parties and became a Republican. Uh, this is deep, deep red. Trump trounced Hillary Clinton in this state, but tonight, a Democrat uh, won, and it's it's a, a resounding rejection uh, of everything that that Republican and what, and what President Trump uh, w- was standing for.
5: When President Trump chose Jeff Sessions, the then Senator from Alabama, to be his Attorney General, no one even considered the notion of what we're seeing right now, that a Democrat could be the one to win his seat. But it is this this stunning turn of events, particularly within the Republican Party, and the fact that they had such a flawed candidate. Republican after Republican uh, told me, and and I'm sure you you too, uh, uh, Jake, that this is uh, probably the worst Republican candidate that they have fielded in forever. And so that really has has come back to haunt Republicans. The irony of this, the irony is that you're seeing and hearing the cheering at the Democrats headquarters because they won. I guarantee you there is cheering and oh, yeah. if not if not cheering a very loud. Sigh of relief among Republicans in the Senate. The Senate, They yeah. don't have to deal with expulsion. They don't have to deal with Roy Moore around their neck. Dealing with uh, having the, the the idea that there is a Republican senator who did the things that he did allegedly in terms of uh, yeah. abuse and everything else that he stood for. This,
4: the the thing is also in terms of the big fight that we've been seeing every day since uh since President Trump, since Donald Trump entered the race mm-hmm. of establishment Republicans versus um, the insurgent Republicans or, or the disrupting Republicans, uh, Bannon and Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, the establishment Republicans were so against Ray Moore. Uh, a- as John noted, the senior Republican senator, Richard Shelby, actually came on my show on Sunday and basically told Republicans, write in a candidate. Yes. Uh, the majority leader, the Speaker of the House, all of Ivanka Trump, all of them against Roy Moore, the head of the National Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee, Uh, Senator Cory Gardner, Republican of Colorado, very conservative senator. He he would not endorse or support Roy Moore in any way. Jeff Flake, Mm -hmm. conservative Republican senator from Arizona, sent a check to Doug Jones, the Democrat. They were completely against it. But the Trump-Bannon wing, they were all in.
5: And there's another, oh, we can see Charles Barkley, by the way, uh, at Doug Jones headquarters there, and Charles Barkley, of course, an Alabama native and went down and, and did a lot of heavy campaigning for Doug Jones. But, but you mentioned Donald Trump. I cannot tell you how hard the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, begged and pleaded with the President of the United States, according to people I talked to, not to go all in on Roy Moore, not to endorse him, not to... Uh, put his own reputation on the line, but more importantly, try to help Roy Moore. And now, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, Mitch McConnell was right. Um, He wasn't trying to save Donald Trump from, uh, from himself, he was trying to save the reputation of the Republican Party in the United States Senate. But looking back, if the president had heeded those warnings and those calls from his Republican counterpart in the United States Senate. He wouldn't have this embarrassment tonight, and it is an embarrassment. There's no question about it. That yeah. President Trump, against the advice of so many people, went all in for Roy Moore, and he lost.
4: And the thing is, he was advised not to by people in the White House. People in the White House tried to keep him out of this race, but he insisted he wanted to be in that race. And and the thing is, this is not the last time you're going to hear Roy Moore's name in this election. In in in, in this in this election cycle, yes. But Roy Moore is going to be hung around Donald Trump's neck in 2020, and perhaps if he wins, beyond that. uh, But this is going to be a major issue. Donald Trump supported this alleged child abuser, child sexual abuser. That charge doesn't go away anytime soon. Anderson? Uh, Jake, thanks very much. I want to go to our panel. I mean,
6: Bukhari, you actually campaigned for, for Doug Jones. Obviously, you're very No, happy. I mean, for for me, there there are two things. I mean, the raw emotion of victory on election night is something that Democrats haven't felt in a long time on a night like this when it's been up and down and topsy-turvy. And so you just exude this joy. I mean, you're just so ecstatic right now. But there are two things that I think are apropos for tonight. The first is I went down to Tuskegee, and at historically black colleges and universities, they have themed you know, cafeteria days. On Wednesday, it's like fried chicken Wednesday. On (laughs) Friday, it's seafood Friday. We went on seafood Friday, and to watch the kids and everybody know who Doug Jones was and come to him, and he spent time talking to every single person, every single voter, and he talked to the cafeteria ladies, the people who were shaking hands, for him to get this victory means so much. But even more importantly than that, we read all the articles about the Washington Post and the New York Times and everybody, Huffington Post, everybody going down there and talking to black voters about black voters not being excited or coming out. You know what won this race? The box that came in? Selma, Alabama. Selma, Alabama tonight turned Alabama into a blue state, even if it is just for a moment. So you have to sit back (laughs) and we will worry about how he's going to legislate in a red state tomorrow. But tonight, there are a lot of people who are drinking Hennessy in Alabama, and we are excited about the victory. And y'all got to let us yeah, have that.
7: Uh, uh, Roy Moore turned Alabama to, to Blue State, uh, not Donald Trump. Do- Donald Trump, I, I mean, I-, I love you, Jake, but to say that this is on Donald Trump, Donald Trump tried to rescue a campaign that was doomed. And he, and he put everything in to try to rescue it. It wasn't his candidate. He didn't endorse him in the primary. He, he didn't came.
4: Do, he went away. Let, let's I, have Jake. I, I want Jake to be able to respond. because I, I, I just want to clarify. I don't want to get in a disagreement. Obviously, this is Roy Moore's loss. No question. My, my, my point is it's a, it's a loss also for President Trump because he attached himself to Roy well, Moore to this, he to this.
7: He, had, he attached himself to Roy Moore only to try to save a campaign that was doomed Doesn't matter. I don't you think you anyone would suggest himself. that Roy Moore would have won the race had Donald Trump been not been No in no, this he, race.
4: President Trump, I'm sure President Trump made it much more competitive. There's no question about that. The point is the calculation that some of his advisors and Republicans on the hill were making was this guy is going to lose and he has this taint of these horrific allegations President Trump don't get involved in this, but President Trump, thinking that he is his own best political strategist, opted not to do it. But I completely agree with you. This loss is Roy Moore's, and any other normal Republican would be winning tonight. Uh, but I, I think that it was a questionable decision by the president to choose to. Okay, I,
7: himself to this I that's angle. not what you said, but I do accept the fact that that okay. that he did not make well. In in the end, he didn't make a wise decision to endorse him because because we're lost. But at, you can say that. At least he fought for what he thought was important, which is that 50-second vote. You, you yourself said that it's going to be very difficult for Republicans to pass any legislation, and Donald Trump is the president, and he wants okay. to pass with, with, all do, with, all,
6: with all due respect to everyone around the table, this is not about tonight. Is not about Donald Trump. Tonight is not about Roy Moore. We hashed all of that out. The reason that the Democratic Party won is because we had a legitimate candidate to run up against a flawed candidate. And we're going to and we're going we have to embrace Doug Jones. He ran the perfect race for this moment. And can
5: I just say we should say a big thank you to Alabama. I mean, it was Democrats. It was independent. Thank you, Republicans, It was more oh, it it This is now we got to get the on the
1: Tennessee and, and Alabama and, and Mississippi and Georgia. McCurry, get have, those god damn
5: republicans
8: (laughs) (laughs) I I i don't
5: think you can dismiss the trump factor in this race i look at this race and i think the reckoning has continued it has gone down to alabama because donald trump across the country look at what happened in virginia the governor's race where republicans got blown out this is the second time and Donald Trump's mistreatment of women, the hostility towards minorities has activated something within the country where Republicans Jeff Sessions won that seat by more than 90% in 2014. Any Republican should have won that seat by double digits in their
1: All right, thank you the to George everybody. The Wilder Junior Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me. We can all try. All right, white evangelicals voted in. The George mass. Wilder Jr. show is now right, on the that's air. That's over with. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, white evangel. Uh, now I can't say it. White evangelists voted in mass for Roy Moore in Alabama to no one's surprise. I don't understand this. Why were the Christians? so-called Christians, evangelicals, uh, in Alabama, practically every one of them, voted for a rapist, Uh, someone who has committed sexual conduct. And in some circles, it's been proven. It's been proven. These allegations by some of these women were credible. They were credible, just like the, by the women who are, uh, uh, the allegations towards President Trump are credible. But, you know, you got these, you got these uh, Alabamans, uh, Christians, evangelicals voting for a, an alleged sexual pedophile, Roy Moore. This is the church I'm talking about. Ministers, pastors, congregations voting for uh, a pedophile. And they know that this guy was a pedophile. They just didn't give a damn. They just, uh, I don't know, racist, uh, hateful. And these people are church people. They go to church every day or every Sunday. And voting for someone who's a criminal. Wow. Wow. Even the police department in Alabama, some of the police says that they knew all. They knew that Roy Moore, uh, the guy who just lost, uh, was chasing underage underage girls. Exit polls suggest that 80% of white Christians who self-identified as born again or evangelical voted for Moore this is uh, i mean what has happened to the church there's a lot of people who don't go to church anymore i mean there's a lot of people who don't uh attend services or mass or sermons anymore because they don't want to be told what to do they don't want to be indoctr- indoctrinated with some sort of uh um you know do it the way of the church or or get out you know they don't want to some people think churches are nothing but cults anyway screwing up the minds of their members. Uh, But this is crazy. You have Christians. I I was never a Christian, uh, and uh, in some ways I felt bad about that. But now (laughs) I'm proud not to be a Christian, believe me. If they're going to go the way of Donald Trump, if they're going to go the way of someone called Roy Moore, I'm proud not to be a Christian. I just can't understand that. These people are picking up the Bible every day and voting for criminals. Protecting criminals, defending criminals, Christians, it's crazy. But anyway, it's a good day because we have Doug Jones and his victory in Alabama special uh, for the special Senate election Tuesday night upset the status quo in his state in many ways. It put a Democrat from Alabama in the U.S. Senate for the first time in 25 years and it showed off the political clout of Alabama's black voters. It was black voters who put uh, Doug Jones over the mark. Uh, the majority of black women voted for doug Jones. the The majority of white women in Alabama voted for Roy Moore. Now why would this is something I don't understand. Why do women why did women vote for someone who is has been a huge accused of allegedly sexual misconduct and some of that stuff is credible why would women white women i don't know i I, it's it's just like domestic abuse you know uh domestic abuse A, a woman gets you know beaten pounded into the ground every day by some abusive boyfriend but yet she keeps coming back to him and defending him even getting him getting him out of jail Bailing him out of jail, only for him to uh, mistreat her and abuse her again. He goes to jail. She gets him out. He abuses her again. He he goes to get. He goes to jail. I mean, this this is what this reminds me of. You know, one thing that did not change. You know, evangelical evangelical Christians, longtime supporters of Jones's Republican opponent Roy Moore, decided in mass to stand by their man. Christians, church people, Bible thumping people, voting voting for someone who has a proven track record of sexual misconduct. They didn't give a damn. According to an exit polling conducted by Edison Research, 80% of the white voters who self-identified themselves as born-again or evangelical Christians voted for the former judge. Yeah, Roy Moore was a former judge. I'm I'm hearing that he ran twice before and lost. Okay. um, All right, about 18% voted for Jones, while another 2% chose chose in a write-in candidate. A lot of people are saying, a lot of Republicans are saying that the write-in candidates... Uh, that was on the ballot with Roy Moore and Doug Jones uh, uh, took the votes away from Roy Moore and Doug Jones uh, won the election in Alabama. Well, if that's so, then that's so, but still then all the Democrat has to seat. Anyway, for a little time, for a very little time, like the people were saying, for a very little time, Alabama was blue <laughs> it is still a red state of course because they have a governor uh, and she's pathetic uh, they have a Republican governor and she's she's pathetic she was on record as saying we need Roy Moore we need it we need that vote got his uh behavior past behavior we need that vote apparently uh, uh, Alabamians didn't buy that they didn't buy that up and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And this feels good for Democrats. This feels good for independents. And some Republicans are, are uh, 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 coughing up a sigh of relief because they themselves, they didn't want to deal with Roy Moore if he was elected, because if he was re- elected, that would have been around that Roy Moore would have been around their neck. You know, he would, there would have been all these Senate uh, hearings and, and, you know, and, and expulsions and all of this kind of thing. Uh, they wouldn't have got nothing done because this is just too much of a distraction uh, to try to get their legislation through. But anyway, it's a good night for Alabamians. It's a good night for America. And I want to say thanks, Alabama. You did a great job. Now we got go to go into these other states. And get these clowns out because we have to take back our country um, in any way we can, peacefully, hopefully. All right. You've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on right here on block talk radio i will be right back in about a minute we're going to do this first and we'll be right back hey there friends and fans this is george wilder jr of the george wilder jr show (laughs) i want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on amazon and elsewhere Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash g wilder or go to the amazon website and type my name in the text bar above To either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure there is. All right. Let's go over here. All right. You're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead.
9: Hi, George. It's Rachel Davidson phoning from
1: the U.K. Hi, Rachel Davidson from the U.K. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for taking, taking the time to, to actually be here. It should be some fun. So um, my audience out there, this is author. Uh, you're author, right? Author Rachel Davidson author. on the George. Okay, well, Okay. <laughs> author Rachel Davidson on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Okay, give us a little bit of your bio and then, you know, tell us about what you've been doing.
9: Ah, okay. So um, I'm. I have been wanting to be an author for most of my life, and I'm. I guess I'm probably like most authors in that regard. But it was actually only uh, three years ago when I decided to get serious about it and um, began writing the book that is now published. Um, published it in this summer, and um, it's called The Point of Me, and it's a, a spiritual fantasy book. And um, happily, it went to Amazon uh number one bestseller in 14 categories in four countries so um
1: congratulations I, that sounds well, great yeah. i can only i can only wish
9: <laughs> <laughs> i was um, e- extremely um pleased and uh and, yeah and um, yeah
1: i can am
9: thankful for that yeah it was uh, it was a fantastic achievement so
1: mm-hmm. um, so yeah um, it
9: so so I'm I'm a pretty new author in in this in that sense because this is my first I've I've done a couple of short stories but um, this is my mm-hmm. first novel so um, so yeah it was a great wow. achievement. thank you very much
1: <laughs> great beautiful uh, and congratulations again how how would you distinguish writing a full novel from writing short stories is there a correlation oh, or is there
9: um, I I think writing a novel is much easier <laughs> you do um, you really do, I do. I, I really do. I think um, because you have so much more time and you have so much more space to, um, you know, to really explore the theme that you're wanting to. Whereas a short story, you have to get all of that crammed into very little words. And um, you do any of my. uh, Yeah. And um, any of my readers would tell you that um, that that my style of writing is very descriptive. So I, I actually find it really very hard to. To you know, get a point across in in very few words. I, I like the luxury of being able to use lots of words. So um, so for for well, I mean, a novel takes can take a long time to do. It took me three years to, to write mine. Um, mm-hmm. but but it, it was a much more enjoyable process because of the space and time that I had. So.
1: Well, you know, uh, I always say this: each each author and each writer is different, and each writer yeah. and author. They come, they come to their craft from different directions. Like myself, yeah. you, um, like, I kind of differ. I sort of differ from you uh, yeah. in the way that you put what you say about a short story, because I'm a short story writer. I love writing yeah, short I think, stories. I think it's great yeah. because
9: oh, I, have the deepest respect I, I, for
1: I, you. I, um. I love writing short stories there. Uh, I don't, too much want to do a novel I've done novels three or four five or six I've done them and um they're great but like you said they take two and three years to finish where I can do a short story in a couple of months and you're right when you say you have to cram so much in there you're totally right because doing a short story for me I have to make sure that the first page grabs the reader and I try to I I try to uh put so much uh, you have to put so much in there because the story is going to end pretty soon. <laughs> yes.
9: Yeah. But, yeah, and that's a as, skill. As, that's
1: a... Yeah, but uh, as long as you uh as long as I think that I can give the reader uh, a really entertaining story, a really entertaining narrative mm. in maybe 50 or 60 pages and mm. after they're done, they go and give me a five-star review. I think that's great. You know, I oh, think yeah. that's no, great. I, I, should be, and,
9: I should be clear I do have, when I say novels are easier. I I don't think any yeah. kind of writing is easy. <laughs> it's all hard. No, it's, but, not, um, easy.
1: It, it, it's no, not easy. it's
9: not easy. No, no.
1: But it's fun. It's just really sort
9: of you know a particular sort of if you like muscle structure, and my muscle yeah. structure just isn't you know that short sprint that's um, that's required for doing short stories. I'm, I guess I'm mm. in that. Uh, metaphor, more of a long distance runner. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, you know, that, that's so a good way of putting it. Yeah. That's a yeah. good way of putting it. I, I have nothing against novels. I think they're great. It's just for me that I've written them for so many years that I've come to say, hey, wow! Well, I'm going to try to slow down a little bit and do short stories, and then yeah. I'll do so many short stories, and then one day, then one year, I'll com- combine all those short stories into a into one book and call it a novel mm. of short stories.
9: Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is interesting, and, isn't it, that often you yeah you start. Uh, but a lot of people think short stories are the easiest, and I think they're the hardest to start with. I, I think well, if
8: they you, are, you write a, for me. novels,
9: then then actually you find that the, your writing muscles, to, to carry on the metaphor, are um, are much stronger, and you're more able to write the short story. So. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe in, in future I'll, I'll write a short story. But actually, I, I suspect I won't. I suspect that I, I still will really well, enjoy I, that.
1: Everybody has their own preference. <laughs>
8: yeah.
1: I've got negative reviews. I've got negative reviews from people because they'll say, well, George, we loved your story, but it was just too short. Mm. <laughs> yes. They'll say, oh, when are you going to write another one? When are you going to write another one? But um, yeah. I love short stories. I think because there's been movies made from short stories, just like there've been movies made from novels. Yeah. So I, and, um, you know, so I'm, you know, I've done novels, so I'm basically short story and I love it. And uh, 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 that's where I'm going to go from now on. But I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have no ill will over anybody who does novels because uh, I've heard, this is my, this is my personal opinion. I've heard people say, that they've read novels and some of the novels are just too wordy. they have be, I mean, it's some, they say some of the novels, it takes too long to get to uh, the most important yeah. part because they're so yeah. wordy and so spread out. Now that's one yeah. criticism that I've heard of novels, about novels. Yeah. Uh, I've read novels and that criticism really doesn't, uh, it's kind of unfair for some novels. Some novels start out great and, and they end up great. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and that, that is, I mean, I suppose no matter what length of writing you you're doing,
1: yeah, the exactly,
9: pace of it, and to to keep the reader engaged is is the skill yeah. of it, isn't it? So um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's tough. Yeah.
1: Did you? <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, did you come up with the title, The Point of Me? I mean, what does that actually mean?
9: Oh. Okay, so, um, I, I hate creating titles of my stories. I, I always really, really yeah. struggle with it. Uh-huh. Um, and I actually did uh-huh. write the story under an, another title, a working title. But I
1: think this I is got, a great title.
9: Well, I got, I got to the end of the book and then looked back at the title I was writing it under and thought, mm, that doesn't fit. So then I had this torturous week to two weeks of thinking, well, what am I going to call it? Um, I, I suppose I, I should just sort of describe a little bit of, of what the story is about. Um, it's... Um, basically, the main character is a young man called James, and he has a terminal illness diagnosis. Um, and actually, his mother has had a premonition of that seven years earlier to when we sort of start the story. And the, the arc of the story is James's journey um, forward from that diagnosis. Um, and at, at, you know, the, at many times during the book, he, he essentially is asking, what is the point of me? Because the story, um, I, I wanted the the book to explore um, how somebody w- would cope with this, you know, imminent tragedy, and and mm-hmm. what emotions they would they would go through, and the family's emotions yeah. too. So, um,
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
9: So he he basically asks um, several times during the book, uh, "What is the point of me? It's such a young life um, going to be cut short." Um, so that that's where the title came from really um i had one of my um beta readers actually sort of say to me that she thought that was the point of the book um was what's the point of us why do we why why are we born why do we live why do we have die? uh why do we die what why are there these sort of and um so that's why the title stuck so i'm really pleased to hear you think it's a good title
1: <laughs> yeah i think because it's a great title i it's a mean the point it. of me the Point of Me, I think it's a great title. I think it's a great, it, it's an eye-catcher kind of a title, you know. Oh, good. The Point of Me, let me check it out. Wow, the Point of Me. Um, yeah. um, titles
9: are really tough to, to, uh, to yeah. choose because, you know, you're sort of you're sort of getting in the dark, really, and um, and all, all, uh, although publisher, yeah. was, publishers will talk about it as if it's a science, but it isn't, it's just an art form, and you just, people, some people are more experienced in that art form than others, so um, so yes, I'm um
10: go on.
1: Yeah, it, myself, myself, I, and some of the things that I write—books, novels, short stories, or uh, essays—I seem to come up with the t- title first, you and then yeah. I write the story.
8: Yeah,
9: that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the better way to do it. I do. I come. <laughs>
1: You know, I said, well, that's a nice title. Now I got to just write a story around it, you know, and mm. I've done that. Yeah.
8: yeah.
1: Uh, the point of view, the the point of me, I'm sorry, the point of me is mm-hmm. anything, uh, does anything inside of the book um, uh, is based on your life?
9: Um, something that happened it, in it, your
1: life or some experience? It, it,
9: um. It's sort of a tough question to answer. I mean the the, the simple answer mm-hmm. is no. It's not autobiographical okay. I haven't ex- experienced any of, of um you know that, that sort of I haven't actually experienced any uh, close family death um yet. <laughs> but it's coming okay. obviously. Um mm-hmm. but um yeah. but hopefully a long way away. Um so no, no. Okay. Um, I mean but on the other hand uh, it is sort of is all of me and um and I, I guess I guess every author is putting themselves into their stories, so um, Mm. there's a a, a sort of patchwork of people I've met and characters and um, Mm. other people's stories that that have intrigued me, and so I couldn't say it's Mm. a a complete work of imagination in that sense, Um, but at the same time it is. So um, yeah, uh-huh. no, I haven't. I'm not writing it from any first-person experience of having had a had a loss within the family at all. It's um, it, it is all yeah my imagination in that sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's that's how you create. You create with your imagination. But the title, well, the point sort of, of, of me, is like pointing at the author. To, <laughs> you know, so.
9: Well, yes, th- there is that aspect to the title, but um, yeah,
8: mm-hmm. but
9: it, it it is sort of yeah the, you know the the point. And, and actually, uh, what I like to do in my writing is sort of look at the fears that I have as a human being on this uh, spinning rock and, and try to explore why I have those fears and what they mean and what resolution would they be. And, and then I make my characters suffer them <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and sort of, you know, make my characters go through stuff that... Um, that I myself can't or, or, or whatever, but, but I, I, that, that's what I, how I like to play with the characters to to make them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, every, I
9: think,
1: yeah, I think every author likes to do that. I, that's why I say it's fun. It's fun. I yeah. sometimes I put, sometimes I put real people in my books, but I change their name yeah. and I'll kill yeah. them off, you know? <laughs> yeah.
9: Ooh, that's nasty.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. But I I'm an author. I'm a, that's, it, that's, crap. That's being yep. creative, you know. Uh, that's yeah. what writers do. And yeah, um, There's
9: a phrase, isn't there, that if a writer is born into a family, then that's the end of the family. <laughs> <This> <laughs> is the writer will, will do just what yeah. you explained, which is, you know, observe and then g- gain revenge yeah. through indirect yeah. measures. Yes, in
1: some cases. Yeah. Rachel yeah. Davidson on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Do you have your book with you? Can you read us an excerpt?
9: I do have the book with me, yes, and I
1: wasn't—I
9: was sort of prepared to to read an excerpt, but I I don't know how much you you want, so I Uh, I maybe a
1: a few paragraphs, maybe.
9: Okay, all right. So, so this is towards the end of the book, actually, and um, James James has um, obviously after his diagnosis, he has um, come into contact with a, a magical beast. Um, who is a sort of um, a, a guide through his story, mm-hmm. and th- this friend, Marcham, um, takes him to several sort of spiritual planes, and the last of which is um, can be referred to as the upper world, um, and it's basically where James is going to get some of his big questions answered, so you know, what is the point of me um, is sort of going to get answered. Um, so, <clears throat> I shall I shall start. He's he's about to Oh, yeah, the other thing to say about the upper world is that not everyone gets into it, that you have to be judged worthy. So he's about to be
8: mm-hmm.
9: judged. So here we go. Into this reverie came the sudden and urgent beat of black wings. Above James's head, the air about him was whipped up by the downpour of the dark feathers. James felt his mind instinctively cower in the presence of this abrupt shadow. He squinted upwards in fear of what he would see, but unable not to look. All above him was darkness, a presence hovering, corvid, walled eyes observing him, cool and all-seeing. Come to judge him, come to weigh his validity. The great wings were rotating and thrusting the air. however menaced hovering menacingly above James's head, the filaments of the dark feathers practically abrading his skin with their umbra. They demanded that he speak, that he justify his existence. James began to whimper. What is the point? Utterly pointless, there is no point to me. The dark wings flapped more violently and began to enclose James. Gone was the feeling of sunshine and warmth, the beautiful smell of roses, replaced by a dank and chill darkness and the musty smell of a rabid decay, long since past. James felt as if he were falling down a long, dark passage. The sound of dark wings beat heavily in his ears, a tinnitus-like screech of a single high note ricocheting in his mind, then the sudden shout of his name. So that's a couple of paragraphs, but I could go on. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Okay, I was, I was mesmerized, I was listening, ah. wow. I actually was. I was mesmerized. I think that sounds oh, good. great. I think that sounds. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, book. You know, the point of me. Oh. Okay. I mean, you know, my audience out there. I want you guys to, uh, you know, go and check this book out. It's. It sounds great. I mean, I, I was really into it. I was listening like you know, a, yeah.
8: a, you
1: know, someone reading, reading in, in a, a library or something and reading to you. I was really, really uh, mesmerized by that. Who's your favorite oh, writer?
9: Oh that's really hard. That is, that is that, I mean it's really really hard. Um you know what
1: I was going to say I was going to say I was I was thinking I was guessing probably JK Rowling.
9: Well I do love Rowling and yeah. I definitely yeah. read all of the Harry Potters. I I don't think yeah. there's a person there's not many people on the earth who haven't hence her mm-hmm. lovely financial position um yeah and i do love the fact that she brought magic back into the um into the sphere um and mm-hmm. mainstream i suppose really um i'm quite influenced by um people like well tolkien and cs lewis yeah and, yeah um, and so am i Newman. i have
1: some books here by tolkien you know lord of the rings yeah.
8: i've, I've uh, yeah. yeah
9: i mean I'm sort of um oh there's a particular uh, series um of books um called the Thomas Covenant um mm-hmm. and I'm struggling to remember the um the author of uh, of that and uh, oh yeah Stephen it's no Stephen R Donaldson and yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure if it's a very well known um series of books but um mm-hmm. he, he my favorite author is the one that I'm currently reading, really, but he's the one that... Yourself? Uh, ...recently is... Well, <laughs> my favorite author is me. No, they, uh, Stephen R. Donaldson is the one that I've most recently read, and
8: um, okay. yeah, I, I love
9: the the way he deals with paradoxes. Yeah. And how he puts his characters yeah. uh, through that tension. Yeah, I definitely love that. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> all right, Rachel Davison. Tell us where we can go find your book. Give us a website where we can get in touch with you in, in case we want more information about what you do in your books.
9: Okay, so the book is available on Amazon, ebook mm-hmm. and paperback. It's also available on Smashwords, Apple Store, Barnes and Noble, all the usual places. Um, yeah. Although paperback is only available through the Amazon, just to say. Um, yeah. I have a website. So that's racheldavidsonauthor.com, and Mm -hmm. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, Mm -hmm. so people can find me that way. If you just type in Rachel Davidson Author, you should get me. Um, Mm -hmm. So so yeah, I'd um, love it if people did buy the book and let me know what they thought of it.
1: Uh, One more question. How is the book doing so far?
9: Um, yeah, I mean, really well. I mean, I, I got that number okay. one bestseller position in, in those 14 oh, yeah, categories. You um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so that was um, a, a really fantastic achievement. But it, but it, it basically is just sort of like um, the house foundations going in. <laughs> you yeah. then have to build the house from there. So um, yeah. So yes, it, it, the the sales have been slow and steady, um, and I'm getting yeah. more and more sort of you know. Uh, facebook likers twitter followers um it's all about you know just building the general noise but yeah Yeah, well you know i wish you
1: yeah i wish you a lot of success with it okay
9: thank you and
1: i want to i want to thank you for being on the show and sharing your book and sharing that excerpt and being such a great great person
9: oh thank you george and thanks for the opportunity to be on the show
1: no problem bye-bye Okay. Rachel Davidson on the George Wilder Jr. Show talking about her book, The Point of Me. Sounds like a great book.
10: As he surely will be, he will be testifying under oath. When Donald Trump Jr. is subpoenaed to testify to the grand jury, he will be testifying under oath. And when Donald Trump becomes the second president of the United States to be subpoenaed to testify to a grand jury in an investigation targeting him, he will be forced to testify under oath. People are not themselves when they are subject to an intense criminal investigation and a grand jury. No one, no one is prepared for that. No one is used to it. Some people make the worst mistakes of their lives under that pressure. Otherwise, smart people can make the worst mistakes of their lives under that pressure. Not smart people are guaranteed to make mistakes under that pressure. President Bill Clinton, the first and only president to be forced to testify to a grand jury under oath, did the stupidest thing he's ever done in his life. He committed perjury testifying to that grand jury. He knows it was the stupidest thing he's ever done in his life, stupider even than the conduct that he was testifying about. And I'm sure he wishes he could have that moment back, but you don't get do-overs with grand juries. You have one chance to tell a grand jury the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And when you go into a grand jury with something to hide, you're probably going to make a mistake and it will probably be a big one and it will probably change the course of your life, the course of your presidency. Robert Mueller is going to give President Trump one chance to tell the truth to a grand jury. Donald Trump will have one chance to do the thing that he finds most difficult to do tell the truth the only president in history who lies about his inauguration crowd size and is caught publicly lying every single day of his presidency that president is going to be given one chance by the best prosecutors in the country to tell the truth Pathological has never had a stronger incentive to fire Robert Mueller than he does now. This is the strongest message yet that Robert Mueller is coming at Donald Trump or the Trump White House or the Trump campaign in a deadly serious criminal investigation in which he already suspects that crimes may have been committed. But Donald Trump does not have one ally in Washington who is prepared to help him in any way with Robert Mueller's criminal investigation. He may have some allies left on the congressional committees that are also running investigations, but today, Mitch McConnell's Republican United States Senate slammed the door on any possibility of President Trump firing Attorney General Jeff Sessions and replacing him with a recess appointment during the Senate's August recess. A recess appointment allows the President to install an Attorney General without a confirmation hearing or a confirmation vote. And so today, when Mitch McConnell closed down Senate business and sent everyone home on what looks like the August recess, he technically left the Senate in what they call pro-forma session, specifically so that no recess appointment can be made during the Senate's August recess, which is technically not a recess, thanks to the Republican Majority Leader, who has slammed the door on the Republican president's possibility of installing a new attorney general through a recess appointment and then having that attorney general fire Robert Mueller and shut down that investigation and shut down that grand jury. Mitch McConnell made sure that that grand jury will live through the August recess and beyond. Also in the Senate today, two different bipartisan bills were introduced with Democrat and Republican sponsors of each one that would protect Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller from any attempt to fire him. We have an indication tonight that Robert Mueller's grand jury is going to hear testimony from a possible group of witnesses that have never testified to a grand jury before. Vox is reporting that after President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey, quote, acting director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, told several of his highest-ranking managers of the Bureau, they should consider themselves possible witnesses in any investigation into whether President Trump engaged in obstruction of justice. Many grand juries over many years have heard many FBI agents testify as investigators only, presenting their findings as investigators to the grand jury. They have never heard high-ranking managers of the FBI testifying as witnesses to a possible crime committed by the President of the United States. Usually the target of an investigation testifies last to a grand jury. By that time, the grand jury knows more about the case than the witness does. President Trump, when he testifies, will be wondering what all those high-ranking managers at the FBI told this grand jury. Donald Trump will be alone in that room. This is unlike anything else you ever go through as a possible witness or defendant in a criminal investigation alone in the room no lawyers no trump lawyers will be allowed in that grand jury room donald trump will be in that room alone no one can help donald trump in that room it is unlike any room he's ever been in in his life and in that room all alone donald trump may have to make a choice a historic choice he may on the advice of his lawyers have to become the first president in history who takes the fifth amendment when he testifies to a grand jury joining us now mika Oyang, former house intelligence committee staff member and vice president for the National Security Program at the Third Way. Also with us, Ron Klain, former Chief of Staff to Vice Presidents Joe Biden and Al Gore, and a former senior aide to President Obama. He's also a former Chief Counsel of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he was Chief of Staff to Attorney General Janet Reno. And also with us, Alex Whiting, a former Assistant U.S. Attorney and Prosecutor and a Professor of Practice at the Harvard Law School. Uh, Ron Klain, I I just want to go to to you uh, on this matter of a president in a grand jury. Uh, And that possibility now looms tonight very, very clearly given what this investigation is about. Uh, And and imagine a a scenario in this grand jury where Uh, As a lawyer representing this president, uh, who you know has this tendency to lie about everything, who has a tendency to lie about tiny things, you know that you couldn't possibly send a client in there at a greater risk of a perjury charge than Donald Trump just because of his habit of lying about anything. Uh, Do you send him in there with a little index card that he reads for every question saying he invokes his rights under the Fifth Amendment not to incriminate himself? Well, you know, Lawrence, it's hard to know where this ends, and it's hard to know what happens on that fateful day. And there's a lot that'll happen between now and then. But what we do know is if Donald Trump's presidency ends prematurely due to one of three eyes, impeachment, indictment, or ignominious resignation, it will be because of the fourth eye we heard about today, impaneling, the impaneling of this grand jury. There's nothing scarier to Donald Trump than having to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth with no help, no lawyer to cough in the background, wave signs, do anything to wave him off, the horrible lying he will do. And so you just can't imagine any ending for this that is in any way shape or form the preservation oh. of the trump presidency after he goes into oh. that grand jury room. Alex Whiting, uh, talk about the grand jury room and how it is unlike any other judicial procedure that a witness uh, can be in.
0: So a- as you said, Lawrence, um, the, what makes it different is as a witness uh, and as a t- potential target in some cases, you are alone in the room. Uh, there's the prosecutor, the uh, court reporter, uh, transcribing every word you say, um, and the grand jurors. But you're you're not allowed to have your lawyer there. You you can take breaks to go talk to your lawyer outside, but you're you are alone facing the questioning of the prosecutor and the grand jury. And everything you say is is uh, transcribed and is under oath. Um, and as you say, as you said in your opening. Uh, You do not know what other witnesses have said, what other documents have revealed. You do not know what the prosecutor knows. And that puts you in a very difficult position, puts a lot of pressure on you to tell the truth. Uh, because that's your, that is your best uh, defense, is to tell the truth. Um, and as you say, that, that may be difficult if Donald Trump goes into that uh, grand jury room.
10: And, and Alex, just one more thing about the grand jury. Tell us what you think it means in this investigation. I mean, from, from the, let's look at it from the Trump perspective. And, and, and what is the most optimistic reading of what this uh, grand jury means Uh, If you're looking at it as one of Donald Trump's lawyers, what, what would be the optimistic reading you'd give to the president about it?
0: So, so the optimistic reading is, is, is this. Look, look it's, it's obviously an important development. Um, it's significant for the reasons that you've said. Um, but it was also inevitable that there would be a grand jury impaneled in this investigation. It's impossible to do a complex federal investigation without a grand jury because it is only through a grand jury that you can compel testimony and documents you can subpoena them uh, you're not you can't do it without the grand jury so in an investigation like this you are going to need to have a grand jury it was going to happen and so the optimistic reading uh, of trump's lawyers is look this this is a step um but it does not necessarily mean that anybody is going to be charged that we're going to get to anywhere and it's very and it's possible i don't know if it's very possible but it's, but it's possible uh that at the end of the grand jury investigation there will be no charges
8: Mm -hmm. Uh,
10: and the the counter to that Mika the other side of that coin is the last (laughs) very very high-profile Washington investigation uh, was of Hillary Clinton and there was no grand jury because Hillary Clinton cooperated she she voluntarily talked to the FBI submitted to that and they were able to come to a finding uh, that there was no crime here that was prosecutable in what they found, and they were able to do that without a grand jury.
5: That's right, but what we're talking about here, um, in contrast to what the investigation was of Hillary Clinton, was Hillary Clinton's case, it was whether or not there was some kind of unintentional or intentional mishandling of classified information based on emails, which is a very complicated subject, and they found not that there was any intention there, but with Donald Trump, we have a much more complicated situation. We have law enforcement officials who may be called as witnesses to talk about Donald Trump firing the director of the FBI because, as he said in his own words, he was very concerned and taking a lot of heat in this Russia investigation. There's a lot of public record out there that suggests that we really have a very serious case for obstruction of justice.
10: Let's listen what the president said about this investigation to his big rally audience tonight in West Virginia.
7: The Russia story is a total fabrication. It's just an excuse for the greatest loss in the history of American
3: politics. That's all it
1: is. <laughs> total Most lie. Give me a
7: break. There
3: were no Russians in our campaign. There never were. We didn't win because liar, of Russia. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We won liar. because of you. That I can tell Get you. Get out. Uh, right. Ru-
1: Oh, get out. <laughs> making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time the George Wilder Jr. show is now the George Wilder Jr. show is now on the air
8: <laughs> all right
1: Yeah, I'm just reading on Huffington Post that black women played a big part in Doug Jones' surprise victory in Alabama. So it was the African-American votes that put this guy over the top. Any African-American votes went to Roy Moore. So meanwhile, almost two-thirds of white women voted for the GOP candidate. Roy Moore accused of sexually preying upon teenage girls. And uh, that's a good thing. I mean, Blacks, you know, and that's one of the things I've been, I was saying and thinking for a long time. The South, basically the South uh, is occupied by Republicans, Republicans controlling the governorship. Republicans controlling the House and Senate in some of these states. And I could never understand it. And the majority of these uh, uh, southern states, the majority of the uh, population are are African-Americans. This is is why I believe we have so many Republican governors and Republicans controlling everything, because In the past, black people did not get out and vote. And when you don't vote, that means your vote is still going to be used, but it's going to be used against you. Uh, Voting in Republicans, you know, and you have to vote. So, Alabama, the blacks in Alabama voted and they came out in droves. And this Senate seat, instead of going to the pedophile Roy Moore, it's going to, uh, Decency, uh, Doug Jones, because African Americans voted. When you do not vote in America, and uh, in America, Black Americans have a dismal voting record. They stay home in droves. They they're not going to vote. They're not. But they know, but they knew that Trump and the Republicans did not have their best interest at heart. And this was serious, very serious, serious. It's a heart attack. They got their butts out there, and they voted in droves. And the Republicans, some of the Republicans in Alabama, they didn't like that. Some of them are crying voter fraud. Uh, Some of them, Roy Moore, as I speak now, uh, as I'm sitting here now on the radio, he has not conceded one bit. He has not said, ah. he has not extended a hand across the aisle to Doug Jones for winning, which is, which is within the Trump playbook. You know, he he does he doesn't want to give it up, even though he and at one point in time his 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 campaign was saying there should be a recount, but Alabama is saying, hey, no no no, we don't need a recount, nothing, this this is up and up. You don't. Uh, there's not. There's not much of a differentiation between the votes, uh, percentage-wise, in order for there to be a recount. So Roy Moore, it, he's just. This is another race he's lost. This guy, this guy, Roy Moore. He's he's the one person who stated that sl- slavery was a great time in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on tape. You can always. Uh, Research it and try and find it. He he said uh, slavery was a good time in America. And I've been told that uh, if he had gotten to the Senate, he was going to recommend that um, 10 of the uh, amendments passed the 10th amendment of the Constitution be wiped out. It was great that this guy did not get to Congress. It was great that he did not get to um, to Washington because it would have been really, really bad for Americans if Trump had won this thing. But Trump lost. He lost big time, and now he's coming up with excuses. Uh, I didn't want to back him anyway. I didn't want to do that. Nope. Uh, the guy, Trump, went out there. He did robocalls for the guy. He went on national television telling everybody in Alabama to vote for Roy Moore. He even did robocalls, and it, and it and he got slapped in the face. Roy Moore lost. The people of uh, Alabama did not want to send, did not want to send a pedophile to the U.S. Congress, to the United States Senate. They did not want to do that, and we are all proud of them. We are, and now we have still, we can't rest on our laurels. We have still. We have work to do still, if I can say it, if I can get it out. We have work to do still. We've got Kentucky. We've got Mitch McConnell. We've got Paul Ryan. These assholes, they have to go. They have to go. Trump is going to be sitting in in front of a grand jury pretty soon. I'm hoping it's real soon um, because he's guilty as hell as colluding with the Russians. He's a He's a, pedoph- he's a liar. He's guilty as hell. And if he if he is seated in front of a grand jury and he lies, uh, he can go to jail for uh, perjury. I mean, I don't think he can take the fifth. I mean, his lawyer is going to tell him everything he can do, you know, but he is going to be, um, I, I'm thinking indicted or, or uh, in front of a grand jury or both. And also... The women are coming out as I speak and demanding and demanding a investigation into Trump uh, sexual behavior. I mean, everybody else is being held accountable for for their uh, past sexual conduct misconduct. Why not this asshole Trump? He's the groper in treat. <laughs> Excuse me. He's the go grofer in. Groper in chief, if I can see it. Why shouldn't this guy be held to higher standards as everybody else is? Doesn't make sense. He's the president of the United States. He's not above the law. He likes to think he is. He wished he was, but he's not. He is not. All right. I want to thank my guest, Rachel Davidson from the UK, for being on the George Wilder Jr. show today. and uh, make sure you go pick up her book or check out her book, book the point of me. I do like that title. I really do. I'm a title guy when it comes to books. I you know, it's it, for me it's not necessarily the book cover. It's the title. The title is going to make me open that book. It's the title. And uh, as I've told and as I as I told Rachel, I um I sometimes, before I sit down and write one of my stories or a novel or whatever, I come up with the title first, and then I uh, build a story around the title, write a story around the title. And I do love short stories because they're short and quick, you know, and I try to make them as uh, entertaining as possible. So as when the um, reader uh, finished that story, it'll live with her. I get people all the time, well, George is too short. George was great, but it's too short. When are you going to do another one? Uh, probably never. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy uh, uh, getting um, feedback like that, you know. But uh, one day I'm going to do a novel. I got about, like, like I said, before, I got about four, five, six novels up on Amazon already. And uh, the sales are slow. Everything's slow. Everything's going up. Um, 2018, I'm hearing that everything is going to go up. I mean, you're going to pay more money for everything. I mean, at, at least in the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, uh, you know, everything's going through the roof. Either you or you can't or you just suffer. All right, you've been <laughs> listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is 7.14 straight up Chicago time. Doug Jones wins in Alabama. And we want to say... At the george wilder jr show thank you alabama thank you thank you thank you alabama um uh, we did not need roy Moore. it took you and it took those african americans to get get off their butts get mad get pissed and resist and they've gotten out there and they voted they voted This is a great thing for Alabama. It's a great thing for um, America in general. It is totally great. And uh, decency prevails. (laughs)
11: been waiting all my life and now I just don't know what the hell to say. Let me if you will indulge me just a moment. Well, no, <laughs> well, let's just get sworn in first before we <laughs> folks I, I, I'm overwhelmed but I, I want to let me let me first make a couple of kind of brief comments. You know, I have said throughout this campaign that I thought that December 12th was going to be a historic day. But, but I got to tell you, and you know where I'm headed, December 12th has always been a historic day for the Jones family. This is, as you know, mine and Louise's 25th wedding anniversary
8: my running mate my partner,
11: I could not I could not have done this without her the love, support, the encouragement earlier in the evening when she just kind of kicked me in the rear end when I was down um, so this has been a wonderful night I've got to thank my family. I've got my wonderful sons, Carson, Christopher, my daughter, Courtney, my beautiful granddaughters, her son-in-law, Rip, all these friends back here, U.S. Attorney buddies, my mom who can make it here, my, my dad who's here with us in spirit, who is too ill and unfortunately my my sister terry and her husband scott terry savage and scott savage hey girls thank you thank you she couldn't make it either i I am truly overwhelmed i am truly truly overwhelmed but you know folks And you have all heard me say this at one point or another in this campaign. I have always believed that the people of Alabama had more in common than to divide us. We have have shown, not just around the state of Alabama, but we have shown the country the way that we can be
8: unified.
11: We have spent so many hours. I have got so many people that I can thank, but I will tell you just very quickly. There are three people that I want to acknowledge tonight because if it wasn't for them, we would not be here. They're the folks that sat me down in early May and said, Doug, you can do this, and they showed me the way. And I want to make sure that everybody in this room, and we had an incredible staff. It started with a small group of folks, Jess, and. Wade, and Trey, and Garrett. But the three people I need to acknowledge before I go any further, I have one of the greatest political consultant in the world in Joe Trippi. I know you're tired of seeing my ads, but they were all Joe's work and he, sh- he showed me the way. Doug Turner, who've been friends for so long, showed me the numbers. And then, the one that I call the Yoda of the campaign, Giles Perkins. Giles Giles has had his own issues to deal with over the summer, but this campaign and what he has done is, whenever the history is written about Alabama politics, remember those names, Giles Perkins, Doug Turner, and Joe Trippi. there are so many there are too many people here I want to just say this folks we have come so far we have come so far and the people of Alabama has have spoken they have said they have said to, to each other that this I have said from the very beginning this campaign has never been about me it's never been about Roy Moore. It has been about every one of you, every one of you and your sons and daughters. It's, it's all of those volunteers that knocked on 300,000 doors. It's, it's the volunteers who made 1.2 million phone calls around the to make sure that we knew it was every community you know i keep hearing about the different uh, uh, communities in this state the african-american community thank you
1: yeah the african-american community yeah black women played a big part in doug jones surprise victory in alabama meanwhile most meanwhile most Almost two thirds of white women voted for GOP candidate Roy Moore accused of sexually preying on teenage girls. That's I don't know. Uh, It was the black vote in Alabama, like I said before, that put this guy over the top. And there are so many people within uh, America saying are saying what I'm saying here on the show. Thank you, Alabama. We're going to take this country back. We got uh, as long as uh, black people, uh, ex- Hispanic people, white people um, uh, get together, come together, and vote and vote. We're gonna have a few elections before um, they're gonna be a little ha- little uh, uh, local races throughout. Uh, I'm I'm assuming throughout 2018 until before we get to the midterms. And people have to vote in those elections, too. Not just the midterms, but any election. We have to get rid of the Republicans. We have to get them out of office. We know that they're not good for America, even though some of them right now are trying to say that they, um, that even though some of them didn't want, specifically, they did not want Roy Moore. But there's a lot of Republicans in Congress. They did. And we have to remember their names. Who supported this guy? We got to remember the Republican names who support Donald Trump and and keep him in power when he shouldn't be in power. You should be just like Kevin Spacey, Harry uh, Harvey Weinstein, and a lot of these other sexual predators out of a job. But he's not. He's not. And America owes a big thanks. Uh, to uh, African Americans, the American people owe a big thanks. Okay, increased turnout among black voters, particularly black women, fueled the Democratic uh, Doug Jones' stunning victory in Alabama Senate special election on Tuesday, demonstrating how crucial they are to the party's base. They are very, very crucial, and we're going to need them in every race. Not only black women, but black men, young black men, young Black women, young white women, young Hispanic women, young Asian women, young Americans in general, period. We're gonna need everybody because we've, we've gotten Alabama now. We've gotta try Tennessee. We gotta to go to Montgomery. We gotta get Arkansas. We gotta get Florida. Some of these, these are red states. Most of them are red states, if not all of them are red states. And they're governed by some goon uh, governor. And some goon uh, uh, state and rep state and um, house representative. While blacks typ- typically vote overwhelmingly for Democrats, interviews by Huff- Huffington Post prior to the election found that many African Americans in Alabama were not at all enthused by Jones's candid- candidacy, and his campaign made some missteps in its outreach to them. But Democratic leaders were banking on intense opposition to the Republican Roy Mar- Roy Moore and they got it known for his far-right views <laughs> and he has some I don't know if you can call them far-right views or just plain old crazy ideas uh, on an array of issues spurring sparring turnout among blacks, also local Democrats, Made extra efforts to mobilize the black community to overcome the GOP-backed voter suppression mechanism. Oh yeah, they're they're trying to they're gonna try to uh, get you not to vote because they know if you vote, their ass is grass. So they're gonna try to do everything they can to suppress you to suppress your vote to keep you from voting. But this is a damn shame. But this is what these people do. And uh, we're going to have to deal with that. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. All right, it's been a great day. It's say once again, thank you, Alabama. You are the greatest.
8: Bombs begin to fall. Never, never saw. Never mm. help the black man if he struggles one more day. Never help the white man if he turns.